0: Hi, everybody! Welcome to another Prog Report Top Five podcast. Thank you for listening again. Hope you've enjoyed the past episodes. Uh, we got another great one here today. Uh, you know, sometimes we do uh, episodes where we're talking about uh, a brand new band or a current band that that has some new release that they want to promote, and we build a show around that. And in some cases, we go back in time a little bit for a band that isn't around anymore. This being the case for this one, the Porcupine Tree top five songs, uh, challenging, of course. We did a Stephen Wilson top albums podcast, uh, you know, many months ago, which is a good one to check out, but this is just going to be exclusive to Porcupine Tree and two great guests to join to discuss this. First, I want to welcome back uh, Prague Nick from Johannesburg, uh, who has been on before. Nick, how you doing, man?
1: Hello, Roy. It's great to be with you. Uh,
0: all right, great. So I'm really happy to introduce the next guest, somebody I've gotten to know over the last few years. Uh, Van Haken is one of the best bands in the world right now. Uh, and uh, he's one of the main guys in the band. Uh, Let's welcome Rich Henschel to the show.
2: Hello, guys. How are you guys doing? You all good?
0: We are well, man. Good to have you on. Thank
2: you. I'm here. You know, pretty
0: soon you're not going to do these types of things because you guys are going to be too rich and famous.
2: Oh, God. We're still still climbing the mountain. uh, (laughs) Um, Literally. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think we'll always come back and do these things. It's great to celebrate music that we love and yeah, it's awesome to be here today and just to be chatting about such a great band.
0: So, uh, you know, the the good tie-in to having you on right now, of course, is you just announced a uh, solo album, your first one, The Cocoon. Yeah. Um, so uh, why don't you talk uh, a little bit about that album, what brought that on, how long it's been in the works, anything you can yeah. share yet?
2: Well, it's been quite a while, to be honest. I've been working on it around about three or four years if I actually add it all up. But um, it's been tricky because I've been doing other things. Obviously, Haken takes up a lot of my time. Um, In those four years, I wrote a a Nova Collective album with my friend Dan Briggs. Um, And we just Haken have been touring like crazy over the last few years. So I've been fitting in writing of The Cocoon in those small pockets of time in between the other things. Um, So, yeah, it feels really cool to finally be at a position now where I can actually unleash it onto the world and I couldn't really couldn't be happier with how it's actually turned out. I've got some of my favorite musicians and friends on there. So I've got Matt Lynch who I play in Nova collective with, and he's on the drums and he's a complete, complete freak of nature really when it <laughs> comes to the drums. So couldn't be happier with what he's done on the album. Uh, I've got Connor, who's my, um, my kind of compadre bass player from Haken. And everyone will probably know his, um, technique and style, uh, from the Haken song. So he, he was the man for the job when it came to bass. Um, but yeah, I've got a whole bunch of other guests on there as well. Um, yeah, couldn't be happier.
0: Yeah. I mean, listen, it's, you don't have to go far for great musicians. Cause Haken is, I mean, any one of those guys is the best in the world at what they do. So to find other people that are even to that level or by any estimation, even, you know, can do other things is amazing.
2: It was yeah, I mean, I was lucky enough to, to form this band with Dan Briggs, Nova Collective, and I remember we so we wrote the album and we'd never really met each other and we thought it would be a good idea to go over to America and just film a playthrough the first time we'd ever met each other. And we decided to play like the trickiest song on the album. And we were all kind of sweating in the studio, like, Oh, this is almost impossible, how are we gonna do this? But I remember just watching Matt Lynch just destroy the track every time perfectly like note for note and uh, i've never really seen anyone in their element like that before so it's really inspiring to see um and the way he approaches drums and the way he writes his parts and recording and everything is just so precise and clean that it seemed to fit this project really well
0: very cool man Uh, and one more thing let's let's talk a little bit about Haken. you guys just came from australia what's going on there and new music anytime soon what's going on
2: well, we've been in Australia for the last nine days and um, got back about two days ago. And, to be honest, completely shattered still. Um, those kind of tours are pretty insane because you arrive there after like two days of traveling and then we, we play like five back-to-back shows with very minimal sleep. So like the whole time you're there, you're kind of fighting against the jet lag and you finally get to the point where you've, you think you've kind of reprogrammed your body clock to that time zone. and then you've got to go home again and then do it all again. So I'm currently in that process where I'm just not sleeping at the right time. Um, but it's amazing to be able to travel that far and play to people that even know who we are. So it was, it was great fun. Um, and then we've got another short tour around Europe with a bunch of festival dates coming up in about two weeks' time. And Then we're pretty much done on the Vector Touring until we tour with Devin Townsend at the end of the year, which is going to be basically the, the biggest shows we've ever done. We're going to play in some of the biggest venues we've ever played at. And it's going to be awesome. amazing. Just seeing someone like Devin work his magic every night. Yeah. I'm a huge fan ever since like Terrier and uh, ocean machine, those albums. What do you think of the new one? Yeah, it's incredible. I love the it's fact good, that right? <laughs> he's just still just pushing the boundaries as far as he can. And I, a lot of people become complacent and, um, you know, just settle on their sound as they grow older. Uh, but obviously not for Devin. He's pushing himself. And this album's probably his most ambitious album to date, which is, I find, really inspiring. I can't wait to see it live. It's just going to be insane. Well, I, yeah.
1: was, no. I was just going to say that from the audience perspective, man, that is going to be sensory overload. Devin Townsend oh. and Haken.
2: Man, <laughs> I can it's got to be, intense, gotta be I mean, seen. It has to be seen. Yeah. Can't wait. Can't wait to see him. And I can't wait just to play to a whole bunch of new people as well. And just, you know, get, get to meet a whole bunch of new fans. I I just love that whole side of things.
0: That's awesome. Are you guys now, I mean, is this full time for you, the band are able to just do focus on that or
2: pretty much to be honest, when we did the uh, shattered fortress shows about two years ago now, um, I was working as a teacher in primary schools in the UK, um, teaching music and piano. And, uh, Due to the like intense amount of touring that we had that year with Haken and Mike, um, I just had to quit that job, and uh, just been looking at other ways to make it financially viable. So we do lessons on tour, um, mm. do some Skype teaching when I'm at home, uh, but generally Haken is almost at that point now where we can make make a living out of it. Obviously, we're not living in mansions or anything like that. We don't have heated swimming pools <laughs> and stuff like that, but <laughs> we're kind of working towards that. But it's amazing to, to be able to play music and um, get out there and do what we love doing because that's ultimately why. We- look,
0: I mean, if you look at the type of music you guys play, you know, you, you never cut any corners with that. You're not trying to write three minute pop songs, and you're doing it the way you guys want to do it, and it's working. So
2: yeah, it's I mean, incredible. it's, always, it's a, thanks. It's always a bit of a risk, I guess, when you're pushing yourself and pushing boundaries. It could go either way um but luckily i feel that that's kind of worked in our favor and hopefully um given us a, maybe a unique sound that people will latch, latch on to um i feel that if we ended up trying to cater our sound towards what we think people would like to hear it would potentially um i don't know we would lose our appeal to the fans so i feel i think it's working in our favor at the moment
0: for sure. I think so. I mean, look, I say it all the time. I go to shows around the U S uh, you know, different places, even down here in Florida where I am. And I see people wearing Haken shirts. That's not a small thing. You know, that, that means somehow they've heard of you, which is amazing.
2: It's really cool. Yeah. I mean, going to yeah. America, such a huge country, we do some of our best tours there. So yeah, yeah, it's awesome. Very cool.
0: That's very cool, man. Well, that's great. So we'll look out for the new album, uh, in July, a new single music anytime soon. And, uh, you know, we'll support that. I'm sure that's going to be awesome. Wow. Uh, so on the agenda today is the top five porcupine tree songs. Um, so we uh, will each go around and we'll talk about our, you know, number five and then our number four, three, uh, two and one and so on. And uh, Rich, I'll give you the floor first, your number five choice.
2: Okay. So I've got a list here, but I haven't actually ordered them from five to one. So let me just think about it. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll probably go for. Right. I'll go for The Creator Has a Master Tape from Inabitator. Okay. Um, yes. Yeah, I feel that this um, it's quite a unique song in their back catalogue. Um, a, lot, a lot of their songs are quite slow tempo, quite melancholic. This one has its own mood, to me, at least. Um, it's very upbeat and it has a really interesting uh, vocal effect on this one, which uh, really appeals to me. And it sounds different to a lot of their other stuff. But I just really love the driving nature of it and the crispness of the the drums and the bass. Um, So yeah, for me, that would probably be number five.
0: I love that song. I mean, that's one of my favorite albums ever. He he just played it uh, on his tour, this past tour they did. He added it back into the set list.
2: Oh, man, that must have been cool. Which was, well, never, which
0: was pretty wild, yeah.
2: Unfortunately, I've never, I've never seen them live because I was a bit late. Wow. Yeah, to join the party. It was around about 10 years ago, I feel, when I actually started getting into them, which is around about the incident right, when that came out, I think.
0: Okay, yeah.
2: And then I feel that they did their last tour around that point. And I, I was going to go, but I couldn't make that gig. And I think Charlie and Diego and Ray went to that show and um, I just didn't make it. Then they kind of just disbanded and went. Have to you seen
0: Steven now? Have you been to a Steven show?
2: I've only been to one and that was when we played with him in Romania. So we played a festival, art mania festival, and we played the day before and we were lucky enough to be able to hang around the next day and uh, watch his show. And it was just, yeah, incredible. I love the fact that he's achieved so much. I mean, he's over here in the UK, he's playing Royal Hall like three nights in a row.
0: Yeah, it's pretty awesome.
2: Yeah, it's a massive feat for a a solo musician playing the music that he does. And it's, yeah, really impressive stuff.
0: Very cool. All right, off to a good start. Uh, Nick, what's your number five?
1: Yeah, cool cool choice from Rich there. Um, For me, it was a toss-up between... Well, let me put it this way. It was nearly arriving somewhere, but not here. Cool. Um, but like Stephen, I kind of arrived somewhere else on this. So my, my number five is from In Absentia, the song Trains. Um, Classic, yeah. I, 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 think, I think what needs to be said about this song is really ask the question, how much can be done with one riff? How many emotions can be extracted from one riff? Um, it's one of... Uh, Stephen's most enduring and powerful hooks. The song starts in a very frail, uh, fragile way. And then when Gavin and the boys kick in, uh, it's just got massive power. Uh, one of the finest and most tasteful guitar solos that, that I think uh, Stephen ever did. And go figure halfway through, a banjo interlude. Um, yeah,
0: with the hand clapping. I love that. That part's amazing.
1: Right, right. And it's, it's just such an amazing song. You know, to, to the untrained ear or even to the trained ear, the, the song might sound deceptively simple. That It's built around that, that riff and the repetition of that riff. But it's really not when you analyze it. It's a magical composition. I also like the way the, the key that it's in stretches Stephen's voice to the limit and you can hear that it's intentional. He's he's doing this as a producer, um, and he's stretching his voice to get to get that strain out of it in the bridge. Um, the core riff has just just become a classic riff for me. You know, as yeah. a, a, as as classic as Cashmere by Led Zeppelin, for for example. <laughs> if you guys were aware, but there, there's a bootleg album out. I don't think it's officially sanctioned. I'm not entirely sure, but it's called Out Absentia. Um, oh, and, okay. a, a, and and that contains sort of outtakes from In Absentia and other albums. And it's got an extended version of Trains on it. I'm, I'm not here to promote boot, bootlegs at all. But <laughs> um, just really answering the question, how much can be done with one riff? This song says it all.
0: I have more to say on of Absentia as I get to later in my picks. But yeah, that's a big uh, big album for me for sure. Um, all right, I'll jump in with my number five. I'm going to go way back. Uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the Signify album um, from 96, I want to say. Um, I, didn't, I wasn't listening to them in 96, but I went back and I, I since love all the older albums. But I'm going to go with the closing track off that called Dark Matter. Which uh, is just an amazing, just that—that's the song that at that time it became what he started to do more of as later albums sort of kind of came across that kind of very ambient kind of dark, you know, atmosphere kind of sound that he was working on, and that's a weird album, Signify, because it's really there's only like I think five songs with lyrics the rest of it is sort of electronica and weird instrumentation and stuff like that. And I don't love all of it. The five songs with lyrics are all amazing and some of the other stuff is great. Um, but this was always the one that kind of stuck out. And I was trying to pick the fifth song on this list. So this was a tough one to just cut out. So, and I've seen him play live a number of times. It's one that he goes back to every now and then. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think it's some, a, a song that he sort of holds dear. Um, but just uh, love that. Love that he was doing this kind of stuff all the way back in 96. I just wish I had been listening it, to it uh, back then. Most
3: things decay in a matter of days. The product is sold to memory fades. Crush like.
2: I have to go back and give that one a listen. I mean, I've, I've listened to them all before, but um, never in great detail, apart from the three I mentioned earlier. So I'll go back and give that track a listen.
0: Yeah, that's a, that's a really, really good song. Uh, cool. Okay, Rich, uh, your number four.
2: Well, you mentioned this actually, Nick, a minute ago. It could have been your number five, but it's Arriving Somewhere But Not Here. Right. Um, yeah, I, I really dig this track. I feel that for the introduction... Um, it's almost a homage to the likes of Radiohead um, yeah. and bands in that vein. And Radiohead, for me, were one of my biggest bands growing up, and they had a massive impact on me um, as a musician and a writer. And I feel like this one has kind of captured that sound, but they've done it in their own in their own way. Um, and then it just carries on; it, go, it kind of morphs into a whole different song as it progressive. And I really love the chorus. Um, really dig everything about this track. But um, I think one thing that Porcupine Tree really do well is that sound design. They managed to create sonic landscapes, um, which are really unique to them. And I feel that maybe that's a lot to do with Richard, the keyboard player, as well as obviously Stephen. Um, but I feel in this song he really comes into his element, especially in the first two minutes. And yeah, that'd be my pick for number four. Never thought
0: Favorite songs by them too that might show up on my list. You never know. um But uh yeah, Deadwing's "Killer" that song is killer. Um, yeah, that was sort of them at their. we was really trying to do some progressive stuff. Yeah, uh, that, that song was a surprising kind of track for me when I heard it for them. But I was really happy to, you know, he was you know double bass for that band. I mean, that was yeah a surprise. It's
2: really very, a cool track. it kind of got everything you need from a yeah. song. Yeah, you know, it kind of goes yeah. through so many different emotions. And it's the whole kind of journey of music, which I really
0: do. So he finally, so he goes back to adding this song into this current last tour that he did. And uh, he, he was playing here in New York and I had, it sort of worked out that I was going to be able to make a trip up there and do some other stuff. So I'll, I'll do it around this, this show. And he was playing two shows in New York. Typically he does one, but I had seen the set list and this was in there. So I go and I catch the second night of the show and this and I really I wanted to see this song because I'd never seen this song particular played live and it's like one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. So I go to see the second set and he announces he's like, Listen, we were here yesterday. And So because some people come to see two shows, we're not gonna play the same set. We're gonna play a different set of different songs, and he left this song out.
2: Oh, and I didn't get to see it. No, no. So
0: I flew up to New York to not see this song. Which one
2: horrible. day, one day he'll do it.
0: Just one me. day. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's cool. Uh, all right, Nick,
1: uh, number four. Okay. Um, so I'm going to depart here uh, from my love of In Absentia and, and Deadwing. Um, it's kind of commonly known that, that, that I, I, I think that it doesn't get better than those two albums. But um, my number four is part five of The Incident, the band's final album. Um, otherwise known as Time Flies. Uh, But the extended version, for me, this song is just a winner all the way. It's got that great groove. It starts with the acoustic guitar in 6-4 timing. And the band takes it to places that that are just unimaginable. It's such a complete composition, a complete arrangement. And I, I think this particular song... Uh, shows how much Stephen had m- matured pers- personally as a songwriter, um, almost to the point that, that the lyrics of, of the song are a little bit ironic. I mean, j- just think about how it starts and, and when the band kicks in, how big it gets. Um, the, it has a suspense-filled acoustic piece in the middle, which is porcupine tree building to their most ominous and anguished, I think is the right word tortured typically tortured lead solo that that Stephen would do and the lyrics importantly for me are almost prophetic of the fact that for Stephen Porcupine Tree had run its course in time even though he may not have realized it at that juncture I mean think about the lyrics Uh, after a while you realize that time flies and the best that you can do is take whatever comes to you Listening to it now, it's almost a message to the band in retrospect. Maybe I'm imagining that. But in any event, I think the song is just incredible. Um, it's 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 as good as anything. She said nothing ever happens If you don't
3: make it happen if you can't like her. After a while you realise time flies And the best thing that you can do Is take whatever comes to you
2: Whenever I'm talking about writing a, writing a song to people um, I always say that you've got to find that core idea Something very, it could be very simple, like a rhythm or a progression or a melody. But as long as it's a simple core idea that resonates with people, and then you just got to bleed that idea for what it's worth. And just, I feel that they've done that on Time Flies. They've got that rhythm, which just grabs you and they just keep it going. It's almost like trance inducing. And it just keep, it kind of ties everything together throughout the song. Um, but yeah, that almost made my top five an honorary mention there, like number six, I would say, for me.
0: Uh, What I like uh, about that song uh, the most actually is just Gavin Harrison's just drum groove. I mean, he just, his drumming throughout all the stuff he did with this band is just so in the pocket all the time and just, he's so perfect for this, for this band, but especially Mm -hmm. on a song like that, it just really makes it just rock. Such an
1: amazing
0: drum. Amazing. Um, All right. So I'm going to go again, old school for my number four. Uh, from the Lightbulb Sun album, which is another one of my favorite albums, uh, and the song Hate Song. And I don't know if you know this one. But uh, just the coolest bass line ever. I love the bass line. It is so just, like, sinister and badass. And uh, and then that whole second half with that off-time, you know, banjo thing going on. Um, where the drums kick in, it's just so cool, and it is so um, a, a signature Steven Wilson thing that he was doing on, on various songs through different albums, um, and it just kicks ass live. It's it's not the not the normal style for them because it's it's sort of kind of a heavy you know rock track, but uh, it just just because that bass line and the whole thing, I just, I can never get that song out of my head. It's just always been one of my favorites by them.
3: lights on mm-hmm. Just when with-
1: Don't don't you think that Colin Edwin is really one of the unsung heroes? Of oh, totally, he's great. He's just he's so, a great so, bass player. Fantastic! Yeah. Player.
0: I'd love to know if he wrote that bassline or not. I don't know. Um, yeah, it's
2: really interesting to to think who wrote what and how each song was developed. You just never yeah. know sometimes.
0: Um. So yeah, that's uh, always been one of my favorite songs for them. And I, sort of if you think about. The kind of stuff that i like and you've listened over the podcast doesn't seem like a, a obvious pick for me but um and I, but i love that whole album is um uh you know that album's amazing that it's it's just as good as all you know some of the other ones that came after it they were just hitting their stride uh yeah. with that record um all right rich you're number three
2: okay so i'm gonna go back to in absentia and one of you guys must have this sound of music
3: mm-hmm.
2: um for me, oh, yeah. it's got like my favorite groove from any Porcupine Tree song, and you, oh, you mentioned my. earlier Gavin Harrison and the fact that he's the perfect drummer for um, for this band. I feel like he's just the perfect drummer in general. He, <laughs> he's just, yeah, he's like one of my favorite drummers. He um, he's just so tasteful. He could take a simple idea and just add all these little inflections and ghost notes and make it sound completely his own, and just give it so much kind of roundness and groove, um, which in this song really comes to the forefront. And I love the fact that it's it's a groove in seven, but it's a slightly different pattern over two bars, um, as far as I, I can make out. Um, so you never quite know where one is. And it, it kind of it sounds slightly jarring and a bit atypical, um, but it just, oh, it really hits the spot for me. Um, and then the solo in this one, very cool. I get a kind of Gilmore vibe from this one it's got that similar yeah. tone in the in the guitar and also, the, drum fill.
0: the drum fill at the end is the greatest drum fill it's yeah. the best
2: oh i love it i love it it's such a, an amazing sound as well the sound that, the sound of all the drums um uh, for all their songs is just really crisp and very precise uh, and you can hear everything that he's doing um and this one would be interesting you mentioned on the last song um how they wrote it i mean Maybe this one started off with a groove that Gavin just came up with, and then they built the rest of the the parts around that groove.
0: the there's a, a pork country, uh a book that is that came out um, I forget what it's called but I have it and uh, they were in the transition there between drummers it was Chris Maitland was was on the the previous albums and uh, he was supposed to be on this one there was some kind of contract dispute something happened he wasn't happy with being on a major label there was some friction there and he left and somebody had recommended um uh, gavin harrison and yeah. th- they weren't sure if he you know would fit the band or whatever and there's some something in there where Steven says the first time you he heard him play with the band it was like oh yeah this is this is gonna work out great it was just it, the very first practice but yeah. i can imagine and i they don't say for sure in the book and i don't know if this was the case but and chris, listen chris maitland's a fine drummer nothing to say bad about anything he did uh on the previous albums but he definitely would have approached the song like this differently there's no doubt. And yeah. so yeah. so I wonder if this song had been written and he had he was playing it maybe more straight or something you don't know and then Gavin comes in not knowing and just you know plays it this way and it must have been like oh my god like it's it, completely I
1: read it different somewhere um, where Stephen mentioned that he had he had done the demo of the song um, and a couple of others, I believe. And um, I don't think Maitland had actually created uh, any drum parts for it yet. But Harrison came in and listened, thought about it, came up with that groove, refined it in front of the band, and literally Stephen looked at the other members of the band and apparently out loud said, we have to up our game now <laughs> to keep yeah. up with this guy."
0: Uh, that might, that might yeah. be right. I think I, I think that might be what is in the book, actually. Yeah.
2: That sounds um, about right. It feels like yeah. he's added his own thing to yes. the song. Yeah, the book well, is called Time
0: say, Flies. It's called Time Flies. That's I, what I was talking about.
2: I, I,
1: I will say this. I, I, I've been to a couple of Gavin Harrison uh, drum workshops, and uh, in both of them, he's played Sound of Music. And I, I'm going to make my comments later. Well, I'm giving it away now. But um, he, he uses that as... Uh, as an example of how a drummer a percussionist can add to to the compositional element that that, that is brought by the composer uh, add to it and simply simply by innovating and creating something new actually create compositional input rather than just being a backing player so he he, he makes a point you of it i think probably so
0: rich maybe maybe you can speak to this but i in listening to to Haken and i want to give uh, while we're talking about this, I want to give Ray some props on on this because
3: yeah. Yeah. I
0: feel like he's the same type of drummer. I mean, he's, he's yeah. different. He's not as sort of jazzy kind of feel that that Gavin sort of is. But um, you know, the stuff that he's doing on some of the songs feels like it's completely out of left field and just adds a whole nother thing right. to it. So how how often is it where you're writing a song and you know you thought it you thought the drumming would be one way and maybe it becomes a different thing and you know talk about that a little bit with working with yeah. Ray.
2: yeah i know for a fact that ray is a massive fan of gavin harrison um and, and guys like mark giuliana who's a jazz guy who's very loose in his playing he's one of my favorite drummers as well and also um you know tigran hamassian he's a pianist but the drummers that play with him uh, they really inspire ray's playing but then when you when you adopt that and approach it um, in a metal context, it um, gives you a real, real unique sound. But yeah, I feel that with the last two albums, especially Ray has just upped his game and he's given a lot of attention into his parts. So he'll kind of map it all out before he records it and it's all worked out when he goes into the studio. And you can really, you can really hear that attention to detail. Um, and there are a few tracks. There's one track from Affinity, um, Red Giant. Um, That kind of came about just from me and Ray jamming together. And Ray had this groove, and it was slightly, it was in six or three, um, but it was slightly, it felt like it was out of time, which froze your head off a bit and sounds very atypical. Uh, But then I came up with this riff over the top of it. And that's an example of a song that actually started with the groove. Um, But yeah, I mean, you can take a simple idea and then add a drum beat to it, which is a whole very important element to the music and it could completely change the feel of the, of the music which then can inspire different ideas with lyrics and vocal melodies and you know right. other parts. so it's a very crucial part to the writing
0: well there's a couple of songs on vector i mean puzzle box i think is just the drumming is ridiculous it's sounding yeah I, I, well, I don't
2: know that's what that's another one um, where we kind of met up and we jammed through that one to so me charlie and ray we started um Kind of bouncing ideas off each other in, in my house and that, that song was born from those jam sessions so yeah sometimes it's very important to start with the groove and then build everything on top of that
1: yeah i i remember when when i was writing the uh, the review for vector for the prog report um i remember thinking to myself man could ray hearn get get any better could he, could, he, could he improve on what he it's was? It's funny watching him get, every, every night. Cause I was to, we've that, been
2: touring this uh, album like crazy. He, 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 yeah.
1: You know, he was stepping it up even another notch on, on Vector. That's just the feeling yeah, I got. I feel like I'm, 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 a, I'm yeah. a hack drummer, so so what do I know? But but that's the feeling <laughs> I got from
2: you know. He definitely pushed himself a lot further. Even like, With Affinity, it was kind of more stripped down, but he definitely put a lot of attention into the parts. But with Bechter, he just went crazy. And I think yeah. it reflected the nature of the music, which was quite aggressive sounding um, and quite raw by nature. And he's, he kind of reflected that in his drum parts. But but yeah, watching him have to play it every night is <laughs> it's yeah. funny. We've been doing yeah. a two-hour set on the last few tours. And um, yeah, it's quite an endurance to be able to pull that off. But he somehow seems to be able to do it. So hats off. Hats off to him.
0: Very cool. All right. Props to Ray. Um,
1: All right. Did you go yet, uh, uh, Nick? Uh, Number Number three? No, I don't. uh, So, uh, yeah, this was another toss-up for me. It was nearly anaesthetized from Fear of a Blank Planet. But just pipping it to the post for me as a number three, I'm going to go with Deadwing from the eponymously titled album, Um, Deadwing. It's, you know – it's it's got it's the driving thrashy metallic side of Porcupine Tree, which you've just got to love. You know, um, it's such a great opener to a great album. The clanging guitar chords. I don't. I don't think Stephen had ever sounded gutsier. Um, I, I, I don't think his vocals had ever sounded darker. And well, how can you knock it when it's got an Adrian got gu- guitar solo on it? You know. Um, yeah. The first time I heard it, I, I, I remember thinking to myself, hey, that sounds a little King Crimson. And I even wondered whether Robert Fripp had not maybe made an appearance. But then I looked it up and, of course, it wasn't Fripp, it was Baleu. Um And oh, yeah. Mik- Michael Ackerfeld also sings backing vocals on it. it. It may be the hard, driving, metallic side of Porcupine Tree, but it is not without its experimental twists and turns. That's for sure. And just what a great way to open to open an an immense album um, with a song that just knocks your head off. So, Deadwing number is my number three.
0: Killer opening track. Very cool. uh, yeah, very cool song. Love that song as well. Great album. Um, all right, I'm going to go with my number three. Again, A pretty obscure. I don't know if you guys know this one. <laughs> um, so uh, this is off an album called Recordings. It's a, a compilation sort of B-side album. Uh, and the track is uh, Buying New Soul. Wow, which deep, is Roy, um, Deep,
1: man.
2: Deep, deep. Deep.
0: yeah listen I'm I'm hardcore with this band I'll just uh, you know <laughs> let you know but uh this is this is seriously a masterpiece song one of the best songs Stephen Wilson's ever done in my opinion um didn't make the light bulb Sun album because they had finished the album already and then they then he wrote this one and they recorded it but they they couldn't fit it on the record um just the best chorus uh that sort of pink floyd harmony chorus thing very slow very dark very depressing track a track he's played live a number of times uh which is very cool to to pull something like that from from like a b-side album and and, and put that in the live set depressing um, like, porcupine tree never yeah it's, weird. I, it's yeah have you, are you have you heard it are you familiar with this no. one at all I, I, no no
2: all I'm right weird. i'm, I'm not, like, you guys. have my homework to do yeah, you guys got
0: uh, I'll I'll send you this track.
2: Close it. Up.
0: Uh, yeah, listen, I, I, I highly recommend this one. If you haven't heard it, uh, it's it's just super, super killer. Just love love this song. So yeah. I'll eventually get to songs anyone knows uh, <laughs> at, at, some, at some point on my list. But look, you guys, we're covering everything. Sure. Um, yeah. All yeah. right. Uh, Rich, you're number two.
2: Um, okay. So this is probably my favorite album by a Pokemon tree, Fear of a Blank Planet. And it's the title track from that album. Um, yeah, once again, it has that kind of upbeat nature to it, which I feel contrasts against a lot of their back catalogue, which helps the song stand out to me. Um, and this album in general has a kind of nostalgia attached to it because I used to listen to it when I was teaching at various different schools in my area. I used to listen to it on the way to one of the schools. It was like the perfect length from my house to the, uh, to the door of the school. So I'd always listen to this album. Um, So every time I hear any song from this album, it really has that nostalgia attached to it. Um, So it has a special place in my heart. And yeah, I love the high energy, upbeat nature of the track. And then it's contrasted with that looser, freer vibe in the middle, which gives the song a nice sense of contrast. And it also has a killer, killer riff section in there, which uh, really, really hits the spot to me. And generally it just covers all grounds really it's, yeah it's a very diverse eclectic track which yeah hits all the buttons
3: don't try engaging me the vaguest shrugs the prescription drugs you'll never find a person inside my face is mother dawn curiosity is good up on me i'm out this as a pill
0: Uh, well, this was right there for me. Possibly, you know, number six or almost, almost mm. in my in my five. I mean, I love this song. This is actually probably my favorite song on that album. Um, I just like the idea of the main riff being on an acoustic, you know, throughout while the drums are you know sort of upbeat and it's a, sort of a high energy track and it's got that acoustic as the as the main riff, which I think is just really cool and Such and uh, and different. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's it's the fantastic, fantastic track. Uh, okay, um, Nick, you're number two.
1: So Rich has already mentioned this one. It's the utterly brilliant sound of Muzak from In Absentia. That's my number two. Uh, it, it, right. Every time I hear this song, it, it it just reminds me of the time and place when I when I first heard it, um, and I was just awestruck at at how wonderful the song was. It's first, Firstly, it's, a, it's an amazing commentary about the state of music in the world. Um, take that coupled with the brilliance of the instrumentation and triple that with what is just a Gavin Harrison masterclass in tasteful groove innovation in drumming. Um, every drummer in the world, I can assure you, puts headphones on and tries to copy that groove and fails, miserably. I... I I I don't think I've heard that groove played in that way uh, by any other drummer anywhere else, quite honestly. It's it's just, a, as I said earlier, a prime example of how a drummer like Gavin Harrison can take a very brilliant songwriter's material and add a perspective, a percussive twist to it that is unique and just takes the composition to, to the next level. And to me, um, that is true brilliance, you know, and that's what made Porcupine Tree an important band as opposed to just a vehicle for Stephen Wilson. So Sound of Music, uh, you know, sorry to mention it again, but it's so brilliant that it deserves it. That's my number two.
0: Agreed.
2: Yeah, Good yeah, talking. it deserves, um, hopefully you picked it as well there. <laughs> I think, <Surely> you <laughs> yeah.
0: no, don't want to give yeah. too much away, but yeah. <laughs> uh,
2: great I, product, everything about it, production, and yeah, like you said, the subject matter really, um, yeah, it kind of resonates well with me. Um, it's kind of an attack on the music industry in a way, um,
0: and you know what it applies today. I mean, it's this time; it's yeah. super timeless, right? Exactly. Um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: All right, so I'm gonna go to the first of two tracks on my the, on my list. I got two more, but the first of two that have been said already. Uh, you guys stole some of my thunder here, but uh, my my number two yeah. is uh, gonna be arriving somewhere. Uh, oh. But not here, which uh, could have been my number one, except for maybe one other track that is there. But uh, yeah, look, we've covered it. I mean, it's a it's one of their masterpiece songs. I like the whole thing the 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 fact that it's sort of you know light and then gets dark and super heavy and the double bass metal thing, and then it comes back to the opening main riff, and it, it's just perfect in in every way. Uh, just one of the best songs to come out in the last twenty years, in my opinion. I think it's just just incredible it's not not a whole lot to add to what we talked about but that's how i feel about it
1: Roy, think about it this way: the, the the fact that one of the top prog reporters in the world, one of the greatest prog musicians in the world, and a hack from South Africa all mentioned it. <laughs> that oh, means crap. that it's got to be a great song, right? It
2: is. Wow. Top, <laughs> top song covers all grounds, and it's um yeah. Can,
1: can be Very great. cool, awesome.
0: Uh, all right, so we'll jump, Rich, to uh, your number one.
2: Number one. Wow. Well, uh, I mentioned this before that Fear of a Blank Planet was my favorite album and Ties is, is going to be my number one spot from that album. Um, I generally love long songs that take you on a journey. Well, if you listen to any of the Haken... Uh, <laughs> you, you don't we, say. We, yeah, we got a whole bunch of long songs. <laughs> I feel that if you've got a strong enough theme um, and musical kind of vision, it sometimes needs to be a long song to fully realize that idea. Uh, and with this song, I feel that like they've kind of nailed it. Um, it's got so many great parts in it. And once again, it has this nostalgia attached to it. So every time I hear it, it takes me back to a certain time. Um, and those, those really dark, melancholic progressions that they have in the song really, really hit a spot with me. Um, but yeah, the chord progression in the chorus especially gets me really, really nice. And it's not typical. It's not diatonic. Di- it's changing keys quite a lot. And um, that's something that's quite unique to Steven Wilson's sound, he has a certain bunch of chords that he will gravitate towards, um, that you just instantly hear it and you know that's one of his songs. And this this chorus has that. Um, but yeah, the general sound design and guitar tones throughout the whole song are just top-notch and they give it, they give it a kind of unique atmosphere, which is basically something that Porcupine Tree really nail every time. Uh, but this song for me kind of epitomizes their whole sound. Um, and generally the way it builds in the middle and the ending is just um, just pure gold as far as i'm concerned so yeah perfect song
0: I'm glad you mentioned it. I mean, it's, it's a, it is, it's an amazing song another masterpiece by him. Um, for a lot of people, it's, it's their favorite. I mean, I'm, it, it, it falls a little bit underneath some of these for me just cause, but I mean, it's, it's amazing in in every right. But, um, I wanted to ask you about, cause you mentioned it and and you, this was your number one, but the long songs, the 20, 30 minutes that you guys have done quite a bit of, Mm -hmm. uh, you know how do you feel about those is that something you think the band will always try and do or as you get further along with the band and you have you know more material you, you, you may be starting to shy away from those or you know,
2: it's, you know. Pretty, um, it's really hard to tell I guess you you start writing a song and if the song uh, requires that kind of approach then you just go with the flow and just almost let the song write itself as much as possible uh, but if you take a song like visions, example, that song, it initially the initial arrangement took me about a, a year or so to write that. And then there was like maybe twenty or so different projects that I was working on. And then a lot of those other projects formed the other songs on the album. Uh, so that kind of was a way of tying in all of the music throughout the whole album. Um, but in that song, the uh, the opening um, kind of parallel major and minor chord progression, I felt was strong enough to really, uh, develop a whole, a long song out of it. Um, but yeah, you just never know. I guess when, when we start writing music, we'll just see where the music takes us and who knows.
0: I, I, I look, I think visions is one of the best songs ever. I, 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 don't know if it's, it might be my favorite song from you guys. It's hard to say, but, uh, but I remember, uh, the, the thing that really solidified you guys for, for me, cause I, had had the mountain maybe for a few weeks before the prognation at sea cruise. I mean, I had just become aware of the band and just had that album. And, and then I went back, I had time to pick up visions before the cruise and I was sort of familiar a little bit with it. But when you guys played that first show by the pool, I don't know if you remember this, but.
2: Was the uh, first time we were on the cruise.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And you had that first pool gig yeah. and, uh, and you ended the set with visions and, just the reaction of the crowd and how you guys sounded, uh, it really had an impact on me where I was like, this, this band is legit. Like, I mean, it was, I had no idea who you guys were, you know, we had, we had met at the time, I had, you know, none none of that. And uh, I was just so impressed at that time. It was unbelievable.
2: Thank you so much. I mean, whenever people ask us about like a top five gig in our career, that's definitely one I always gravitate towards. Um, Yeah. It was such a special moment for us because Mike invited us, on the boat and uh, it was just amazing to to meet him and to have him listen to our music was such an honor and then to play to a whole bunch of new people we hadn't really been to america that much by that point um so yeah then that coupled with the fact we're on a boat looking at the ocean playing um, cool, right? yes. yeah <laughs> it was an overwhelming experience and thankfully we've been asked, asked back about five times now every year we seem to come every back. year
0: you guys keep coming back yeah. yeah oh you know what well i mean if we can detour a little bit here but i'm i'm curious about the uh the covers set that you guys did on the last one for anybody that that isn't aware each band gets to play two sets on on the ship when they go and and you played uh you know your typical touring set with vector stuff and and then the yeah. second night uh you you picked like 10 random uh covers, like, you know, would you play Africa and Jump by Van Halen and right uh, a bunch of, you know, a bunch of different songs. It was really a lot of fun. How did you decide on the songs and, and what, what put we that are, together?
2: Yeah, it's always a bit tricky picking a set like that because across the band, we listen to so much music. We wanted to go with a whole bunch of songs that people were going to know. Um, and like you say, we did Jump, <laughs> which is <laughs> such, was- a, such a fun song to play. It was so, so amazing. We did 21st Century Schizoid Man, right. um, which was a bit crazy because we, we asked a whole bunch of people to come up on stage with us. We asked Marcos Fogli. Um, who else did we have? We had Jordan on stage. We had a saxophonist. And it was, um, it was insane. And we, didn't, we started this whole solo section and everyone was trading licks and solos. But we didn't really talk about how to come out of that. So we were just jamming out. And then we're all just looking at each other like well how are we going to get to the tricky bit we have no <laughs> we have really worked this out so we had to stop the song and then everyone walked off stage and then we carried on playing <laughs> that, that was a bit awkward but um so, generally it was such fun playing these songs um we also played radiohead paranoid android which is oh my god yeah
0: that was really good yeah i remember that
2: which is probably not a typical song uh, for that kind of cruise um but for me and for, for most of the guys in the band it's you know one of our favorite songs um, so that was really cool trying to kind of give it our own sound yeah uh, but yeah it's amazing really good fun so who knows next year we'll we'll try and do something similar we'll, we'll wait and see. we haven't really discussed that yet but it'd be cool to do something like that again do right. it
1: again rich do it again
2: I, <laughs> I, I, had, <laughs> playing,
1: I had playing commitments downstairs on the on the passenger stage and, oh, you missed it. and and i missed the the highlight of the cruise from what I hear yeah. Oh, it was. it was. It was a great. lot of fun. Yeah, it was a good set. Yeah, yep. uh, well, I've watched all the videos on on YouTube. I can tell you that. <laughs> cool. Uh, all right. Uh, so let's jump. Nick, you're number one. Righty. Um, so it's not like me to avoid long songs, uh, Roy. But um, you know, so I've, I've I've got a pretty long honorable mentions list, and we'll see if you let me get there. But I'm gonna go with another short one for my number one, because I just think it's the quintessential Porcupine Tree song. It encompasses, in a few short minutes, um, everything that that band is about. And it is the brilliant Blackest Eyes from from Ah, Absentia. I was wondering where you'd
0: go with that. Yeah, perfect.
1: Yeah, what can be said about the song that hasn't already been said, man? It's fairly short, but in those few minutes, it's just a tour de force featuring everything that made Porcupine Tree great. Um, and uh, I think one of the things that that makes Porcupine Tree sound unique is that juxtaposition of dark themes and and uh, foreboding lyrics very often over quite pleasant melodies, uh, as as the verses in this particular song. Right? And let's think about the lyrics. I mean, the speculation is that the lyrics are, are about the, the serial killer Ted Bundy, you know, and 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 his uh, his his. A method of operating, so very dark themes, but there's that fairly light and pleasant uh, melody in the verse, and then this, this hard-hitting chorus and, and 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 the bridges is just an instrumental uh, showcase of virtuosity. Um, it was officially written by Stephen, but in my opinion, you can hear the band's influence in the song. Sure, uh, it's pretty obvious to me, and I th- I think that. During the in absentia Deadwing phase, this band was at the peak of their powers, um, and this this one song, as as short as as it is, is really an epic. Just in a few minutes, you know, I have the CD's in front of me, uh, and just looking at, at the cover, for example, um, it just takes me back to a period in my life when music became special again, partly because of Porcupine Tree. Uh, the song is is just amazing. I've I've actually had had the privilege of playing it with some passengers on the on the boat uh, on one occasion it's it's an amazing song to play and try and master it's a it's a wonderful showpiece of a wonderful band and and i'm just glad that that style of music has been carried forward by bands like haken not because rich is with us but because it's true Uh, and for for me this song was was the start of the great music that we're all enjoying
3: today.
0: I'm glad you picked the song um, because I think, while it's not necessarily my favorite song by them. It, it sort of holds the spot of um, if I had to show Porcupine tree to anybody in yep. four minutes, yep. that I think that's the song to do it with.
1: Exactly.
0: It, you're right. It, 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 it covers all the bases that they do, the acoustic with the electric combined, you know, the light chorus, the, the heavy, you know, the light verse, the heavy chorus thing. Um very kind of mixes those the the light and dark of what the band does very well uh and so i think that's a that's a great song for that i I think the missed opportunity with in absentia is uh, you know not having this be the first single from it uh and be the lead track i just think was a missed opportunity for for them and i don't think it even was ever a single i agree and uh it it, knowing what was going on with radio at the time uh i feel like this song could have could have been it for them and um, and I think the labels just sort of dropped the ball on it unfortunately Um, you know a lot of the stuff from that album that song included I feel like could come out today and sound like it came out from today there's nothing at all dated about this record at all in any way Um, so uh, well easy sort of transition to my number one uh, and it is going to be Sound of Music, <laughs> we go uh, three for three, I wow. and uh, I, you know what? In all the top fives we've done, I'm not sure that we've all had what that the three people have all had at least one song equal. Um, there we did a Haken top five. We might have all said crystallize. That's oh. the only other, that's the only other one that comes to mind.
2: That's a good so, point. Um,
0: yeah, um, but uh, look. Th- there's a lot that goes into me picking this song. One, uh, uh, for me, first of all, I think it's just amazing. And it's one of the best songs ever written, in my opinion. Um, everything about it, the, the chorus, the, the the lyrics, the harmonies, the drumming, it's all just genius. Um, this was the song that I discovered the band with. And I may have told this story before on a, on a previous podcast, but I think it bears repeating for this one. And I love when something like this comes together when you get to discover a band and it all sort of happens all at the same time. So a friend of mine told me because he knew I liked dream theater that I should find out that should listen to porcupine tree. And the only song I was able to find online somewhere was this one, this one. And I heard this song and it, I just, I mean, it was like out out of body experience or something. It just completely blew my mind. This song. I must've listened to it a thousand times in a row. And right away I'm like, a sponge. I'm like, I gotta find out more about this band. I gotta find out more about this band. And so I get an absentia and I'm just going nuts on this album. I think it's the greatest album I've ever heard. And now I'm full, crazy obsessed, but I can't get anything. This is before iTunes. There's, n- there's nothing around. How do I get some of this music? It turns out that by some weird coincidence, they're playing about four hours away from me in, in Florida uh, two weeks later at a club. And so, and it's on like a Wednesday and I'm like, we're going, I'm going, I don't care. So I, I drive down there. I I see the show of course, because no one knows who they are. It's that kind of gay. They, they go on like at 11, you know, like super late. And uh, it was like a hundred people in there. I mean, it was like ridiculous. And, and they played all of these songs. They played dark matter. They played hate song, all the songs that are on my list. I mean, they, they played, uh, that song "Futile." Have you guys heard that song "Futile"? It's like a B-side from In Absentia. The super heavy song.
2: I've um, heard that one, to be honest.
0: And it's uh, it's uh, amazing. Um, and so I got to buy at their merch desk a bunch of the CDs, and that's how I got into the band. From there, I mean, it was all sort of came that's together.
2: Crazy. And I, like when you hear a song, and it's the first song you hear from a band, a lot of the time that will be that special song that you always remember, and it has a special place in your heart. Like for me, when I heard dream theater the first album was awake and um yeah i remember hearing a Rotomania. and hear that it's got that same kind of special just kind of hits you somewhere
0: yeah no it's 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 so cool when you when that happens and i just love how you know i was to get a chance i didn't relish i mean i would have hung out later and met steven and and done you know it just didn't occur to me it was just like I went to see a show and then I went home, (laughs) but it was like completely, you know, uh, when would you get that opportunity again to see porcupine tree with like a hundred people at a tiny club where no one really knows who they are. You know, it was like once in a lifetime experience, but I'll never forget that. Uh, so, uh, well, there you go, man. You know what? I think between the three of us, the, a couple of repetitions aside, we covered essentially most of the songs. I think most people would say, which is usually. What I like uh, usually happens when you do these things. Do we get an honorable um, mention, Roy? Yeah,
1: yeah. What other songs do you want to throw out there? I uh, I just like to mention "Stranger by the Minute." Uh, Stranger by the oh, I love that song. That's a great one too. I yeah. just think it's a great song. It's the best. Absolutely. song Absolutely, the Dream album. It's the most I agree phenomenal. with you there. Good call. I agree. Yeah, it's yeah. It, it's really an original melody and a lovely sort of that Beatles esque vocal harmony, and uh, apparently. Harmonising on vocals, there was Chris Maitland. I believe it's the only time that he sings on the album. And interestingly, Stephen also played the bass on that track. So it's not their progiest moment, but for me, the best moment on on uh, the Stupid Dream album. No, it's a total
0: pop song, but it's a great it's a great great song. And and I agree, it's my favorite song on that album. Um, Very cool. I mean, I might throw a bunch off of Lightbulb Sun. Rush on Ice is amazing. Um, and I always liked. Uh, last chance to evacuate planet earth before it is recycled just because of the title.
2: That's a cool title.
0: <laughs> that's title.
2: <laughs> I, um, I had, um, time flies, which was already mentioned, and then way out of here, which is just Great song. Start, yeah. chorus. So then the start of something beautiful from Deadwing. Oh, that's a brilliant uh, song too. too yeah. Cool yeah. But yeah, like it's hard to, it's hard to narrow it down. To just it is
1: very, it uh, is very tough. Uh, I mean, I, I could say Lazarus, uh, we've already mentioned Arriving Somewhere. How about Open Car from Deadwing? I bet you, Richard, would like that one. Um, Very
2: cool. Yeah, I love it.
1: Yeah, that that, that, that that's kind of uh, Porcupine Tree doing a haken almost to me. The only uh, song I don't like on Deadwing is Shallow, though. I will say yeah. I
0: do not. Yeah. That was the song I never liked. I always yeah. skip it. Uh, have you heard oh the song <laughs> Pure Narcotic from, from Stupid Peen? Brilliant, brilliant. Yeah. yeah, yeah uh, well, his acoustic stuff back then was, was really good. I mean, they were, he was doing a lot of acoustic kind of pop stuff with just some cool prog ambient stuff around it. Really. Right. Um, right. right. And, know, and then the, on the same
1: yeah. album, he does, he does a song like Slave Called Shiver, which is just sinister, you know, right. that Colin Edwin sinister baseline. Um, you know, it, yeah. it, it, it's just the extremes that, 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 that were so impressive
0: yeah listen you guys are genius uh well cool man uh, rich thanks again man it's always fun always great to talk to you and have you on something like this and
2: oh man um, it's, been, it's been great chatting and hanging with you guys and it's been yeah been really interesting I feel like i've feel got a lot of homework to do now
0: <laughs> I'll, send you some,
2: I'll send you
0: some some links to listen to
2: yeah
0: uh, and if, so everybody keep uh keep an eye out there on, on the prog report or on whatever website uh you follow for prog stuff for for rich's solo album the cocoon uh, July 26th, that release date. Yeah. And, uh, it's
2: coming up. It's not too Yeah. Far.
0: Yeah. Pretty soon. And of course, anything Haken related, uh, there's always something going on with them. And um, yeah, we will uh, see you again very soon. Thank you, guys. Rich. See you, so you on much. the boat. Bye bye. <laughs> bye bye, Roy. See you later.
1: One of the wonders of the world it's going
3: down. It's going down. of the world No one cares No one cares One of the wonders of the world is going down